Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Continue to pray that the Lord will send us a pianist and a song leader, or both all in one. Um, I will do my best to lead the music, but as you see, it's just going to be kind of roughing it. Um, I love to sing. The Lord just didn't give me the ability to do so with any, um, with any desire for anyone to hear it. <laughs> but that's all right. We'll do our best. We'll sing to the Lord. It pleases Him that we do so. And uh, so we'll just keep that up. A couple of things to remember, a couple of, of announcements. December 3rd, we will begin our Sunday evening service, if you want to call it that. We'll call it our Sunday afternoon service. Um, we'll, we'll have our morning services. We'll go out and have lunch together. And then at 2 p.m., we'll come back in and resume services here together. We have a slew of people who are sick. Uh, so just continue to pray for them, that the Lord will heal them. Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, people have been asking me how things are going, and I told them, well, our first Sunday, praise the Lord, we had 18 people in church. And by Wednesday, most of them had COVID. <laughs> so um, that's all right, though. We'll do our best and uh, pray that those people recover quickly and don't have any complications from all of this. Um, if you didn't know, today is our Thanksgiving meal together. Um, which we'll, we'll enjoy fellowship together just between us um, uh, be, and continue to pray that those people will recover. It'd be nice if, ever, if everybody was here or more people were here, but it's just how it is in a sin-cursed world, unfortunately. We had talked about the offering. This is how we did it in Africa. Uh, we did it in a similar way in, in uh, our home church. Our home church, we had a box in the back of the room. We didn't pass an offering plate, I prefer to keep it that way. Uh, so when it comes to your giving, that's between you and the Lord. You know your responsibility to give. And when it comes up in Scripture, we'll talk about it more. But till then, uh, we're not going to talk about it. Um, so when it comes to giving, the baskets are here. You can come before church, during the song service, or after church, or whatever is best for you. And, and you can serve God by making sure that you're giving towards the furtherance of the gospel and keeping your church going. I'm recording everything, um, oh, okay. uh, so from, from here on out, I'll do my best to record everything. Uh, I never, because I don't have entered it out of the house, I never got access to the uh, Facebook page. I, I'll try and do that today, uh, so that's up to you if you want to set that up while we're doing announcements. Okay, well, then I guess we're not doing it. <laughs> so um, so we'll, we'll try and plan for that in the future. Uh, to make sure we're a little more prepared for that. We'll try to get something situated so we have a, a little bit better situation for that as well. Um, but I, I recorded the Sunday school and this, the Sunday morning is being recorded. Uh, I'll send those to my, I have a brother in Uganda who does the editing for me. So I will send those to him. He will edit them, send them back to me, and then we'll upload them on Sermon Audio. And then we can post those on the Facebook page. That way everybody has access to it. All right. Tracks. We have tracks in the back 
Uh, it's a great way, uh, like Sunday you had mentioned you, you wanted to learn more about how to witness to people. One of the easiest ways to do that is just to hand them a piece of paper that tells them about Jesus Christ. And so we had some specially printed for the church. It has the church info information on it. Um, those are on the table back there. Uh, you know, if you, some people try and set a goal to give out five to ten a week. Wherever you go, people you interact with, if you interact positively. <laughs> If you don't interact positively, just bye. <laughs> don't, don't tell them you're from here. Uh, but no, if you you know, we've been able to talk to people in town and tell them that that we're new here and that we're I'm now the pastor of this church, and they get all excited. And it's nice to have something to be able to give them and say, if you want to come check it out, come check it out. Also has the gospel on the back, so they can read that and understand what needs to happen in order for them to have their sins forgiven and their souls saved. And um, so it tells people about the church, lets them know we're here, and also gives them the gospel. It does several things at once. So take those with you and, and pass them out. Now, don't take them with you and leave them in your car and let them, uh, you know, get, get sunbeat and, and ruined. Take them and give them out. That's what they're for. If you give it to somebody and they throw it in the trash, that's on them. It's our responsibility to give it out. So we want to make sure we're, we're doing that. Um, Continue to pray for, I, I want to talk eventually, I'm going to talk to the church more about the translation work in Uganda. That's still going on. Uh, we're trying to produce a, an accurate Bible in the Luganda language for the, the people we were serving there in Uganda. Uh, I have a group of men who are working on that. They work diligently on it. And uh, they need your prayer. They need you lifting them up for the Lord because it's a, it's a difficult task. It is not easy, and uh, they're doing a great job. I have full trust in them and their ability to accomplish it, but uh, they could sure use our prayer and, and keeping them before the throne of God as they do their work. So with that, Romans chapter 1, Romans 1, and uh, Wednesday night we started a study about the Apostle Paul. We will finish that this morning. Before we move on, we'll, we'll, we'll probably accomplish two things this morning. We're going to talk about Paul. We'll finish the information about Paul and, and go through that. And then um, the next, next part, well, let, let's read verses 1 through 7, and then I'll, I'll give you a little bit better introduction, and, and then we'll pick up where we left off in our study. So Romans 1, let's read verses 1 through 7. Uh, verse 1, Paul a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you again for loving us. Thank you for your word. Lord, please help it to help us, help it to change us, help us to make us more like Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be pleasing to you. You show us the way and we'll do our best to obey uh, and, and to follow and, and to do all that we can to please you. And we pray that you be honored and glorified through it all. Uh, Lord, please, once again, help those people who are sick. Uh, Lord, it, it seems that they're all doing well or, or at least uh, struggling through it well. Uh, but we don't want to see any complications or, or unnecessary difficulties. We just pray you give them comfort, give their doctors wisdom, and uh, help them through this sickness. And We'll, we'll praise you and thank you for it all. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So verses 1 through 7, once again, are the introduction to the book of Romans. That's, it's Paul's introductory note that he wants to send to the people at Rome, telling them who he is, what he's about. And as you see, the large portion of that is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very little about Paul. But the first thing he says, Paul, that's me, that's who he is. Now, it's interesting. Let me show you something real fast. Paul didn't actually write this. People say, what? What do you mean? His eyesight was so bad. I'm sorry? His eyesight was so bad. Well, 
Yeah, there are a lot of, again, theories about why he didn't write it, but um, I, maybe in a lesson or two, I'll show you how these things were done in the Bible. The Bible actually tells you how, how it was done. Um, it gives us a good example with Jeremiah and Barak. And what happened is God, God basically put Jeremiah into somewhat of a trance, gave him the word of God. Jeremiah told it to Barak. Barak wrote it down. So if you're looking for a biblical explanation as to why, well, that would be, that would be what, you, what you'd go to. Anything outside of that is someone just making something up or, or taking a guess. All right, now, if you look at Romans 16, uh, look at verse 22. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. All right, now, so Paul didn't actually sit down and write. In fact, if you go through the majority of the epistles that, that are ascribed to the Apostle Paul. Now, he received the revelation, but he oftentimes was not the person who wrote it down. Now, why he didn't write it down, the Bible doesn't tell us. And again, if we were going to look for a biblical explanation, we'd run cross-references and we'd go to other places. If you recall John, John was in a trance. Peter, Peter went in a trance as the Lord uh, gave them a revelation, gave them the word of God. And so the most likely biblical explanation is that uh, the Lord was giving this information to Paul. Paul was giving it to Barak. Barak was right, or excuse me, Tertius in this case, Jeremiah and Barak. Tertius in this case, and Tertius wrote it down. But when you look at the order in which Paul introduced himself, he said, my name is Paul. That's who I am, Right. And before, before I tell you that I'm an, I'm an apostle, before I tell you that I'm separated under the gospel of God, what I want you to know is that I am a servant of Jesus Christ. That's pretty incredible. Uh, that's, that's very humbling, and, and we can learn a lot from that type of introduction. But then he immediately goes into the gospel of God, and, and, and all about Jesus Christ is what he wants these people to know. He doesn't want them to know about Paul. In fact, he said, the first thing he says is, yeah, my name is Paul. Uh, I, I, I am an apostle. All that's wonderful. That's great. I was called to be an apostle. God made me an apostle. But what you need to know is I serve Jesus Christ. That's what's important. And so people, you know, they introduce themselves like, I'm an engineer. <laughs> well, great. Good. I'm a doctor. Well, none of that means anything if you're not a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a pastor. Wonderful. Are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Because it's not, it's not just inherent in the fact, if I just if I tell you a past, I'm a pastor, that doesn't that doesn't mean at all that I serve Jesus Christ. It just means that I have a position in life. But many of them do. Yeah, it's it's a big problem. Now Paul has an has a position. He's an apostle, but the first thing he wanted you to know is that he is a servant of Jesus Christ. He serves the Lord. Being an apostle, Judas was an apostle. That didn't work out too well. Right? He wasn't a servant of Jesus Christ. There's a striking difference between the two. And, and, and so we, we want to make sure and place that same emphasis as the Apostle Paul did. Now, where we left off last time, we were, we were going to pick up at Paul's conversion. So let's look at that quickly. Turn to 1, Corinthians, uh, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul's conversion when he trusted in the Lord. Um, we'll look at why. And, and how, how, how could a man, we talked about last time, who was so murderous against the church specifically? It wasn't like he was just uh, going out and, and arresting criminals and taking criminals to prison to be, to be tried and put to death. He was arresting Christians for the crime of following Jesus Christ and then having them executed and imprisoned. It was a, is a terrible situation. Now, 1 Timothy 1, how could a man like that be converted. How could he be saved? We'll read verses 12 through 16. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. 
That's how he came to be converted. Jesus Christ is, a, is abundantly merciful and gracious, even to a man who is hunting down his church and putting them to death. The Lord said, I'll save that man and I'll use him. That's incredible. That's unbelievable. How can that be? That, and, you can, and you wouldn't, I can't count the number of men that I've met and I try to tell them about Jesus Christ and they say, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. Jesus Christ can save you. Well, you don't know how evil I've been, how terrible I've been. You, have you ever hunted down the church and murdered it? <laughs> no? Okay, then, then you haven't been bad enough that Jesus Christ can't save you. The, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all sin. And so the problem is that you won't submit to that. That's the problem. The problem is not that salvation is not available for you. The problem is you won't give in to it. And so, so you make yourself the problem unnecessarily, and, and that's a shame. Now we know that Paul's conversion takes place in Acts chapter 9. That's where we would go to, to uh, learn more about what happened, what took place. But we're going to read his testimony in Acts 22. So it actually, the, 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 the conversion took place in Acts 9, but in order to get more detail about it, we're going to read his testimony in Acts 22. Excuse me, Acts chapter 22, verse 1. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, remember he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he's a Pharisee, he grew up in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel, and they're unclear about all this for some reason. This is the same man they were given letters to, to go and hunt down Christians. Now suddenly they act like they don't know who he is. Uh, when he spake in the Hebrew tongue, they, they got all quiet. They kept the more silence, and he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were uh, there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me, and I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's an interesting question. Who did Paul just say he was going to arrest? Christians. When Jesus confronts him, he says, why are you persecuting me? We are the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, when you mess with us, you mess with the Lord. <laughs> That's not a good thing to do. You're inviting a lot of trouble into your life. Verse 8, And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake unto me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee, of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came to, into Damascus. Now imagine that, this, this man who's unbelievably competent, unbelievably able. I mean, when he wants to do something, he's so disciplined, he just gets up and he, and he does it. He doesn't waste time. He doesn't mess around. Now he's being led by the hand. <laughs> that... That had to be a humbling experience for somebody like him. Verse 12, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth, for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of, of what thou hast seen and heard. 
And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. You see that? He's in a trance receiving revelation from God. Verse 18 and, and 19, the Lord tells him, you need to get out of Jerusalem. And Paul says, yeah, but I, I want to give them my testimony. The Lord says, no, they're not going to listen to you. Get out of Jerusalem. And so then when Paul decides to go back to Jerusalem years later, the Lord says, they're still not going to listen to you. Don't go to Jerusalem. And he goes to Jerusalem anyways and, and causes all sorts of trouble for himself. Just as the Lord said what happened, the Lord told him he'd be arrested, he'd be, he'd be put to death, and that's what ended up happening to the Apostle Paul. But that's his conversion. He, he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the way to Damascus, on his way to, con, to, to further persecute the church, and, and on the way he ends up meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and you talk about changing history, that man was incredible. All right, now... Paul is an apostle, and for some reason, this next idea stirs up a lot of controversy, and I don't know why. I want to show you some things. Now, we know that Paul is an apostle, right? And by the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, turn to Acts chapter 1. By the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how many apostles are there? Anybody know? 11. They're repeatedly called the 11 because Judas had gone and hanged himself. <laughs> All right, so Judas was the 12th apostle. He hung himself, you know, he, he uh, repented unto himself, not to the Lord, and, and was not able to get over the grief of what he had done, so he, he hung himself. Now, in Acts chapter 1, the apostles decide to, it's time to replace him. And in order to replace him, the man that takes the place of Judas has to meet certain requirements, right? He is required to, to meet certain qualifications. It's not an option, as we'll see. Uh, let's read verses 16 through 26, and, and we'll see what I'm talking about here. Verse 16, men and brethren... This scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. All right, so Judas didn't have to be the man to carry out this prophecy. The prophecy would have been carried out by somebody. Judas could have repented at any time. He didn't have to be that man, but he chose to, to follow through and to be that man. We're in Acts 1, verses 16 through 26. Verse 17 for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist and all his bowels gushed out. That's a nice sight. Um, verse 19. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem in, in, as much, in so much as that field is called the, uh, in their proper tongue a seldoma, that is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of the Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men, which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John under the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, Barsabbas and, uh, who, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that they may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias. Now listen to this. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Right? Okay, now, if you have 11 and you add one to it, how many do you have now? 12 apostles. 
I don't understand why it's such a controversy and why people like to argue whether Paul is the 12th apostle or not. Let me show you again. All right, so in Acts chapter 1, Matthias is added to the 11, right? Making them 12. Is that, I mean, that's reasonable, right? We just talked about it. What chapter is the apostle Paul saved? Nine. Chapter 9. Well, let's look in chapter 6 and see what we have. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. We'll read verses 1 and 2. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Verse 2. Then who? The twelve. Called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. All right, now... In Acts chapter 1, Matthias is added to the 11, making them 12. In Acts chapter 6, we have the 12. That includes Matthias. Paul's not saved until Acts chapter 9. How can he be the 12th? Well, he's not the 12th is, is, is the point. So Paul says he is an apostle born out of due time. All right, so you're going to find there are at least 14 apostles in your Bible in, in the New Testament, at least, maybe more. I'll show you that in just a second. And so Paul is not the 12th apostle. He is possibly the 13th or the 14th. It depends on when Barnabas was called to be an apostle because Barnabas is also an apostle. So Barnabas and Saul are apostles. We don't know which one became an apostle first. And so if you were going to force a number on them, you'd have to guess. But that, that those two added to the 12 make up the 14. All right now, and I'll show you that in a moment. That, that You don't have to just take my word for it. And so Paul says in Romans 1, I am called to be an apostle. All right, and so what we're going to knock out today is we, we've talked about Paul, who he is. Now we've come all the way to his apostleship and being an apostle. And so we're going to talk about not only Paul, but his being called to be an apostle, which he states very clearly, repeatedly. Now, look at, look at 1 Corinthians 9. There's no doubt he was an apostle. He was a very important apostle. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, and we'll read verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 and 2. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? Now, we, we didn't talk about it specifically, but what was one of the requirements we read in Acts 1 to be an apostle? There are two. Number one, you had to have been there when Jesus Christ was there. You had to have seen the Lord after his resurrection. Peter said that, that, that you must meet these qualifications. It's not optional. So when you meet a man today who says he's an apostle, he's either insane or he's really old like 2,000 years old, all right? So, so it's, it's not likely that he's 2,000 years old. So what's the other option? Uh, maybe there's some other options, but um, insanity is definitely on the list. <laughs> all right? And so, so you, had to be, you had to have seen the Lord Jesus Christ, and you had to have partaken in the baptism of John. Those are the two requirements that, that Peter laid out in Acts chapter 1, all right? We can go back and read it. Some of you are looking at me <laughs> funny. But it's in Acts chapter 1. You have the verses. You go back and read it again when you get a chance, and you'll see that it's there. Now, here we are. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? That's one of the requirements to be an apostle. Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. All right, so that... There was some controversy with the church at Corinth and the Apostle Paul, whether he was an apostle or not. And he, he's having to commend himself again. He's having to remind them who he is. They want proof of his apostleship. Nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing to, somebody tells you I'm an apostle, prove it. Show me. In Revelation, one of the, church, one of the seven churches, the Lord commended them because they didn't just take people's word for it when they said they were an apostle. They demanded proof. All right, and so, so we, we, we should do the same. Somebody tells you they're an apostle, prove it. <laughs> Let's go to the hospital and let me see you clear it out. Oh, you can't do that? <laughs> Why? What happened? 
Right? The, the apostles had the sign gifts, and you don't. What happened? You're not an apostle is what happened. Uh, now look at 1 Corinthians 15. As Paul lays out the argument of his being an apostle, uh, we'll read verses 8 and 9. And last of all, he was seen of me also. That's the Apostle Paul talking about Jesus Christ. He goes through this list of people. We're in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 8. He goes through this list of people who saw the risen Lord. It was more than 500 people. And he says, last of all, verse 8, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So he, he's disconnecting himself in, in multiple places. He disconnects himself from the 12. He says very clearly, I'm not one of the 12. Well, he doesn't say it as clearly as we'd like, but he, he insinuates, I'm not one of the 12. I gained nothing from the 12. They didn't teach me anything. They didn't give me anything. What I have, I was born out of due time. I went into Arabia, and, and, and I, was, I, I, I did not learn my doctrine from flesh and blood. All right, that, that's what he, what he ultimately is trying to enforce or push upon people. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Look at Romans 11. Let's see what else he says. Romans 11, verse 13, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Now here's a, just a quick note of controversy people have. There are, groups, there are groups of men in independent Baptist churches that teach because Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, if you're a Gentile, you only read the, the, the writings of Paul. You only follow Paul. You don't follow Peter. You don't follow James. You don't follow John. You don't even follow Jesus Christ, according to them. And so what they would tell you is you can only follow the writings of Paul. When Paul went to a new city, where's the first place he would go? To the synagogue. Who's in the synagogue? The Jews. All right, so is he the apostle to the Gentiles? Yes. Is it so exclusive that he can't go to Jews and that Gentiles can't learn from Jesus or James or John or Peter? No. All right, it's not exclusive. Paul, Paul couldn't go in town and say, well, there's a synagogue. I wish I could go and talk to the Jews. I'll just go talk to the Gentiles instead. That's not what happened. Peter is said to be the, the, the apostle to the Jews. Well, who led Cornelius to the Lord? Peter. Peter led him to the Lord. And Cornelius is an Italian, an Italian man. He's a Gentile. All right, so Peter has this designation as the apostle to the Jews. Paul has this designation as the apostle to the Gentiles, but it's not exclusive. It's not. So we went to Africa to, to, to minister to the Bantu people, to, the, to Ugandans. But if I saw a man from Britain, I'm not going to say, I'm sorry, I can't give you the gospel. I only give it to, to Africans. <laughs> that makes no sense. That's not how it works. So, so we don't we, we note Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. That's true. That's important. But we don't separate him. To, to, we don't divide it to the point that he can't minister to Jews or that we as Gentiles can't, can't be ministered to by Peter or James or, or the other apostles. We, we, we just don't do that. That makes no sense. Um, he repeats it in Romans 15. Go back, go back to Romans 15. We'll look at it real quick. Romans 15, verses 15 through 16. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So there's no doubt he's the, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. But that doesn't mean that we limit ourselves to the writings of Paul. It doesn't mean that at all. You, you, you would have to just completely make that up. Um, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're still talking about his being uh, called to be an apostle. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and 
verity. Now, look at Galatians 2, Galatians chapter 2, and we'll see this connection with Barnabas and Paul. Galatians 2, 9, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. All right, so, so the other apostles, at least some of them, had this designation to the circumcision. That's to the Jews, right? Now, again, it's not exclusive. Where P- Peter ends up writing a letter from Babylon. <laughs> that, those aren't Jews. There, there may have been some Jews there, but that's, that's a Gentile nation, holy Gentile. All right, and so, so he ends up writing a letter from Babylon, but that, that doesn't mean his designation to the Jews was any different. Now, look at Acts 14, and I'll show you this, the relationship between Barnabas and Paul, or Saul. Acts 14, verse 14. Which when the apostles, see that, plural, right? Uh, Which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out. So with that, with that note, that demonstrates that you have at least 14 apostles in your Bible, uh, possibly more, but definitely 14 at a minimum. And so some of them were given certain responsibilities, and, and they had to maintain those responsibilities, Paul to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews, but they weren't exclusive, and they weren't separated from, from everyone else. Um, you, you, Peter and Paul preached the same gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, they presented it differently, because if you're talking to a group of Jews, you're going to present the gospel in a certain way that would appeal to Jews and help the Jews to understand, right? Well, if you're talking to Gentiles, they don't know anything about Jewish heritage, Jewish the Jewish religion, the law of Moses, they have no understanding of that. They don't, they don't get that at all. So you, you wouldn't rely on that to help give the gospel to, to Gentiles. You, you would approach them the way Paul does in Romans chapter 1. You tell them about Jesus Christ and what he's done for them. But when you read about when Paul and Peter preached to Jews, he went through Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to to David, or, or, you know, he would include Moses, obviously, for the law of Moses, and, and he, he would go through their national history leading up to Jesus Christ, and then, and then show them how that Christ fulfilled the Old Testament, and then they'd get angry and try to kill him. Uh, so that, that's it. Now, Paul's gospel. We'll finish with Paul's gospel. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 again. Um, this is a passage you should be very familiar with. Uh, in the next, uh, either Wednesday or Sunday, we're going to go over the gospel in depth. We're going to look at it. We're going to define it. We're going to make sure that the people in this church know what it is. It's, Im- it's very important. As it, this is the problem that we have found as missionaries. We were traveling from church to church on deputation, and we found that most independent Baptist churches had no idea what the gospel was. Now, most of the time, what I mean by that or what what I found out is that they had trouble connecting the gospel to the definition. They didn't didn't know how to put the two together. I would ask them, when my wife and I go to Africa, what are we going to do? They'd say, you're going to preach the gospel. That's right. What is the gospel? We don't know. (laughs) Okay. Well, what are we going to preach when we're there? The gospel. Yeah. Well, what is the gospel? We don't know. (laughs) All right, so we're going to look at Paul's gospel, and then uh, either, either Wednesday or Sunday, we're going to go through the gospel in depth so that we have, a, we have good clarity on what it is, and, and I'm going to walk you through one of the ways in which I demonstrate it to people. Now, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. We may go a little bit further down, maybe to uh, 5 or 6, uh, but we're, we're really going to focus on verses 1 through 4 primarily. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. That's pretty exclusive, right? 
There's, there's not much room there for, for something other than what we're about to read, right? Uh, I, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand. Now, based on that verse, what do we do with the gospel? You preach it. You give it to other people. You tell them what Jesus did for them. All right, that, that's ultimately what it is. Now, we, we, every, most people know the word gospel means good news. Well, that's a dictionary definition of the term. That's not the biblical definition of the term. And so I'm afraid that, that this constant use of the gospel is the good news has clouded people's minds and caused them to lose sight of what it means biblically speaking. If you just say, what does gospel mean? They say, good news. Okay, good news about what? Uh, what's that? You would be surprised how many people don't know that. In, Baptist, in good Baptist churches, very good churches. And, and it's, it's like a pandemic ripping through our churches. They don't know what it is. Now, if you ask them, how did you get saved? They'll say, well, I trusted in Jesus. Well, that's the right answer. Now, what's the gospel? I don't know. Or if you say, what's the gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, that's the four gospels. What is the gospel? Uh, the word of God. It's in the word of God, but what is the gospel? And they don't know. They, they can't put the two together. And so we, we want to make sure that's not a, an issue here, as Miss Phyllis already demonstrated that she knows. So you have to be quiet next Sunday or Wednesday, you can't, you can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 4 again. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Now, when someone preaches this gospel to you, you are responsible to receive it. Now, that's an amazing thing to me. Because think about what we're having to go preach to people. I want to tell you about somebody who 2,000 years ago took the sin of the world into his body, died on a cross, was buried, and then he walked out of the grave on the third day. And they're like, you want me to believe that? Well, not only do I want you to believe it, God expects you to believe it. He fully expects that you're going to submit to that idea and, and reject everything else. And so they look at us like we're crazy, and I partly understand why, <laughs> but it's still not an excuse. You've you, you got to trust. You've got to believe. And, and they don't want to do that. Verse, verse 2, by which also ye are saved. So it's, it's and we're going to talk about this in depth in the, in the coming weeks, but it's the gospel that is the power of God, according to Romans 1. It is the power of God unto salvation. So when I ask someone, what is the gospel? And they say, I don't know. Well, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If you don't know what the gospel is, how did you gain access to the power of God unto salvation? I don't know. You didn't. You don't have access to it. Not without the gospel, you don't. So you're in serious trouble right now. And if you don't, if you don't gain this proper understanding and get this resolved, you're going to, be, you're going to, end, up, you're going to end up damning your soul for eternity. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And we don't want vain belief. We want to believe in accord with the word of God properly. We'll talk about vain belief in the coming weeks also. It's important to, to know. If you ask somebody, if you, ask, if you hear a lot of preaching on this passage, and what, what a lot of people say, they say vain belief. That's Roman Catholicism. That's Islam. That's you know, false religions. That, that's not what vain belief is. The chapter defines what vain belief is. And so in, in the coming weeks, we're going to look at that. But basically, it, you know, it, in short, what vain belief is, is a gospel in which there is no resurrection. Look, at, uh, look real quick at verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is your preaching what? Vain. And your faith is also vain. All right, so vain belief is a, is a gospel of some sort that has no resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ be not risen, look, look, at, uh, look quickly at verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, 
Your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. If there's no resurrection, if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, you have no hope of the resurrection. But we have a blessed hope because Jesus Christ did rise from the dead, but something was troubling these people. They had, they had picked up this vain belief, and Paul, had to, had to, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had to write to them to clear it all up and try and fix it. They, they just had this empty belief in a, in a Jesus who died but didn't rise from the dead. Now, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then he's just another man who died. And you have no salvation. If he did rise from the dead, then he's God made manifest in the flesh who died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. And you have hope. You have a future to look to. Without that, you have nothing. All right, verse, um, back to verse 2. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now, that's kind of important. Why would you preach a gospel you don't believe? Why would you preach a gospel you haven't received yourself? You're going to go tell you should trust in Jesus. Well, did you? No. Well, why should I trust in him? You didn't trust in him. Why should I trust in him? And so Paul says here, I received this first, and then I came and preached it to you. And, and, and again, I'm, I, there's a lot I want to show you, but I want to try and save it for the, 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 the coming lesson on, on the gospel more in depth. Right now we're just talking about Paul's gospel. And the first thing Paul wants you to know is, I received, I received what I'm preaching. I believe it. I trust it. I have faith in what I'm preaching. This is not just empty words for me to stand in front of you and, and spout out. It's real. It's real to me, and it should be real to you. It said, uh, that, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Not according to Paul, not according to, to Peter, not according to James, according to the Word of God. If it's not written in the Word of God, it doesn't exist. One of the things I will, I will always try to be very careful about is if I'm going to give you something that is conjecture on my part, that is my opinion, where I, I think I can see it, but I can't completely prove it, I'm going to tell you that. And you are to take that for what it's worth. You don't take it as scripture. Now, where it's very clear, I will be 100% uncompromising. If I tell you, I think I see this here, and I think I can sort of demonstrate it to you, but I can't fully prove it, you don't have to believe it. But when I tell you that the gospel is what saves, that is clearly demonstrated here, and you're expected to believe it. When I tell you that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day, that is unbelievably clear right here in this book. And I, and I expect you, and God expects you to believe it, to trust it, to put your faith in what it says. Um, verse 4, and that he was buried... And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now you see that that verse ends with a, with a, with a colon. That means it is connecting it to the information that's going to follow. All right, so so in, in, in truth, you really can't disconnect it from the, the sentence to follow. They go together to make one complete truth. You have a complete sentence on one side, then you have a colon, and you have a complete sentence on the other side, but you need both complete sentences to give you the full idea. All right, so the idea is not just Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, and you just want me to believe that? Well, not exactly. Look at verse 5. And he was seen. All right, this is not just people's imagination. He was seen of Cephas... Then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. All right, now this is where my frustration with the modern academic world comes back. Because you, you'll, you will go to a court of law and allow the testimony of two or three people to condemn a man to death. But if I give you the testimony of above 500 people that Jesus rose from the dead, you're like, you're crazy. <laughs> How is it any different? If you found the writings of 500 people about anything in history, you'd believe it. You'd say it has to be true. 
Well, here you have the testimony of above 500 people that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, was walking around, eating with people, talking with people, teaching people, and then ascended back into heaven. So it's not just that Christ rose from the dead. He did. But there are witnesses. We're not talking about blind faith. You should trust it because God is trustworthy. But God left witnesses to help help confirm his word. God himself says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, how about above 500? How does that work out? (laughs) Above 500 people confirmed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so I would encourage you to believe it. And, And it goes on and on. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one, as of one born out of due time. So that is the life. That is a short biographical sketch of the Apostle Paul, who he is, what he did, how he was converted, his apostleship, his gospel, all that good stuff. All right, let's pray. And we will conclude this morning. Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you again for loving us. Thank you again for your word. It's so incredible. It's such a joy to study your word and to see all the wonderful things you've done and, and to learn all that you want us to know. We pray, God, that you'd help us, help us to be the, the individuals you would have us to be. And Lord, we pray you'd help us to be the church you'd have us to be. And uh, just thank you for the sweet, kind people here that have been so good to us. And uh, pray that you would bless them, help them, especially those that are sick right now. Uh, Lord, it sure is. It was exciting that first Sunday to see so many beautiful faces here. And then by by Wednesday, so many were sick. And uh, some of them were elderly. And and I'm just very concerned about potential complications that could arise. I pray that you'd help them. Uh, Lord, don't don't allow them to to be harmed in any permanent way by, by these sicknesses. Just... Help them to move right through it. Give them comfort. Give their doctors wisdom and uh, help them to heal quickly and get back to church. Uh, We sure look forward to serving alongside them. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this place. And I pray that it be a holy place that would honor and glorify you at all times and that you'd be well pleased. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.